Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. I remember a question from a 12-year-old girl many years ago that has stood out for me, obviously so much so that it's still, I can picture myself being in the very situation where she asked the question. Um, I was up the very top of Western Australia in the remote Kimberley community of Columbaroo. We'd had a church mission trip up there um, the year before and and I was back there uh, training this 13-year-old girls soccer team. Um, to come, or futsal team, to come down to the Australian Nationals to be held in Canberra. Now these girls really, uh, Western Australia didn't have a team, and so they were the endorsed team. Girls that had never played the sport, even known anything about the sport, until our church uh, undertook our mission uh, trip there the previous year. And so I said to these girls, look, if you forget everything else about futsal, all about the rules of the game, I want you to remember something in our time over this week that we were there. I want you to remember that God loves you and God has a plan for your life. God has a special journey that he wants to take you on through life. And so we arrived the next day and uh, we went through and reviewed uh, what we had learnt the day before. And then um, I said to the girls, look, I told you something. I wanted you to remember. Something to remember for the rest of your lives. What was it? One of the girls said, you said that God loves me and God has a plan for my life. I said, that's great. But, she said, and I'm thinking, what's coming now? But, she said, how do I know what that plan is? How do I know what that plan is? What a great question. Perhaps it's a question that you're asking, even as you sit here today. A question about what is really God's plan for my life? And how do I know what God's plan for my life? Well, how do I know what that is? See, we can quote a lot of uh, verses from Scripture, can't we? The steps of a good man or good woman are ordered by the Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. For we are... God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So where we, where, whichever passage of Scripture you look at, here's this picture of, of our steps being ordered by the Lord, of God having plans for our lives, of Him directing those paths, and of God having prepared in advance good works for us to do, plans for us to do. So if this aspect of God directing our steps and of God having plans for our life is true, and I certainly think it is and believe it is, how do we take hold of that? How do we unlock that plan? Samuel Langhorne Clemens is perhaps better known to most people by his pen name Mark Twain. He was a writer of uh, such books as The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and he also wrote uh, this, uh, this little sentence. The two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. 
Two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. So how do we find out that why? How do we find out why it is that we, we, we have been born and why it is we've been created the way that God has created us? Frederick Buchner, the theologian and writer, he gives us a bit of a clue. He says, the kind of work God usually calls you to is the kind of work that you most need to do and the world most needs to have done. Thus, the place God calls you is a place your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you is a place that your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And that's why over these uh, past five weeks, we've been revisiting shape, looking at the way that God has created us, and also looking to the place where that deep God-given, um, that deep God-given gladness within each of us uh, meets the hunger, the unmet hunger of our world, because that's where we are going to find our shape being lived out. So over these weeks, uh, Mitch and Murray have taken us on this journey through shape. Uh, we all know it well, but for those that haven't been on that journey or perhaps those that are streaming in and uh, catching up with where we are, shape um, stands for spiritual gifts, our heart, abilities, personality and experience. And Murray finished off last week with experience, asking the question, what is it that we have learnt out of our experiences of life? that can help us to impact the lives of others around us. That shape, when we look at it in isolation, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality and experience, it's great to look at those, but the power of that comes when it's all brought together and when that shape, that combined shape, drives us in a mission to impact our world. And one of the best examples of that comes from the life of the Apostle Paul. Um, we read that, uh, that account was read for us by Alex before that, that transformation in the life of Saul to become Paul. He was this man who was alienated from Jesus, knew nothing about Jesus, but had a desire to serve God, a passion to serve God. So much so that he was persecuting the followers of the way that he thought were a sect. And then he had this transformation. So what, were Paul, what was Paul's shape? Let's have a look at his shape. It'll help us get an understanding perhaps about the way we have been shaped. Well, Paul had three spiritual gifts, at least three spiritual gifts. He was, uh, had the ability to preach, the ability to teach, and he was an apostle. He had this apostolic gift, the ability to go and to start new churches, to plant new, new ministries in new locations, and the ability then to walk in, with those churches that had been established and to help them reach their potential. What was his heart? Well, his, his constant ambition, he says, was to preach the gospel, but not just to preach the gospel, particularly to preach it in places that had never ever been preached before had a passion to do that he didn't want to build on another man's foundation he wanted to go to places where the gospel had not been and we can get a picture of his heart because Paul says life is worth nothing it's a pretty big statement of what is beating in someone's heart life is worth nothing unless I do it for the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus what were Paul's abilities? Well, Paul was bivocational. 
He was a tent maker. And so he was able to team up. He teamed up with Aquila and Priscilla, who were also tent makers. And so while they did that and made their living during the week, Paul then found his way into the synagogue to be able to debate with those there, trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks to follow Jesus Christ. His personality, well, he was an out-and-out extrovert, (laughs) a bloke that was just so zealous. He persecuted the church before he came to understand who Jesus was, and he was zealous for Jesus having um, been a follower of the way. And his experiences. We don't have to go far in the scriptures to see the experiences that Paul had. He was brought up in the, in the Jewish tradition, um, schooled by the most notable of, um, of Jewish teachers, Gamaliel. He then had the situation where he watched Stephen be stoned. He, he held the coats of those that were stoning Stephen. He was, had that dramatic conversion that Alex read for us on the road to Damascus, special vision from God, spreading Christianity through the Roman Empire, bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. We know he had a thorn in the flesh, even though we don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. Some said it had something to do with blindness. Um, He had trials, tribulations and persecutions. And if ever there was a picture of the fact that the Christian life is not going to be a life that is rosy and that is trouble-free, go to 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 27 and have a look at the persecutions that Paul endured um, in uh, in his journey following Jesus. He had an overarching theme as Paul's life was a desire to serve God. Even before he understand who, understood who Jesus was, a desire to serve God and to make his name known. He had this unique shape. And we can see the impact that Paul's shape had on the world. The very fact that you and I are sitting here today is probably because Paul had this mission to go to the Gentiles. Sadly, I think when we look at the life of Paul, we can look at the wife of Paul and we can say, well, of course God was going to use him. Of course God shaped Paul to be used by him because after all, he was destined to be the Apostle Paul. And I think when we do that, we dismiss what God wants to say to each of us because each of us has been uniquely shaped. Each of us has been uniquely shaped to have an impact on the world around us we each have spiritual gifts we each have a beating heart and that heart that beats within us uh, will all respond differently to different needs that are around about us we all have special abilities and a personality and an experience you and I have been shaped to serve God in that way And one of the ways we can discover what that passion and purpose for us is, is to ask ourselves a few questions. Where do I have a burden? Where do I have a burden? Not to ask, where is the greatest need? And I'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, what What are the strengths, the gifts and the talents that God has given me? Where do I see the brokenness of this world? What are the desires of my heart? And I've seen that the power of those questions to help direct my own life and the power of the shape model to direct my own life. Um, A bit over 30 years ago, so about when I was 10 or so, 
I think I was having a little bit of a, uh, a midlife crisis. I'd like to think it came on earlier. Um, a midlife crisis. Had a successful accounting practice, which we sold. We bought a sugarcane farm in Queensland, uh, of all things. Um, I was involved in the church, but I really wasn't stimulated about that. I was plugging gaps. I was filling where the greatest need was. So treasurer at times, um, deacon, uh, Sunday school teacher, Lynn and I were leading the youth. But there was still this feeling of, I'm in church, but there's really not the fulfilment that I would have anticipated. And perhaps you feel like that now, even today. And so I read some good books, and it was all about how to find a life mission statement. How to find a life mission statement. I remember thinking something like, this is just going to be like uh, doing some kind of business plan for a company. You know, you'll do this. Oftentimes it's just done. You think, oh, yeah, ticked off, thrown into a drawer, and you never look at it again. And so I thought, I'm going to give this a go. And this, this book suggested you sit down with a group of friends and you talk away about the way that God has gifted and the, God, the way that God has gifted and shaped you for ministry and for uh, to be used by him. And to do that over a period of time, and I did that over this period of time with a group of friends and with Lynn, and then uh, processed that whole aspect was a, a good process. It was good to be, ha- hear people say, well, I can see you're gifted in this way. I can see that God's given you a heart to do this. And you've had this, you've got this ability And your personality shapes you to be like that. And at the end of it, um, I came up with a mission statement, a personal mission statement, which was to use my spiritual gifts. And I listed what they were and my heart, my abilities and my personality through entrepreneurial adventures to initiate and to build ministries that see people one to Christ. That was because people were saying, well, you're always starting something. You're always initiating something. You've got a heart for people that don't yet know Jesus. And so there was that aspect of an entrepreneurial adventure um, and initiating and building ministries. And you might say, well, that's great. What difference has it really made? What difference has a statement like that made in your life? Well, it's, it's become the filter or the sieve by which different opportunities in life are measured or sifted for me. Let's face it, we all get so many opportunities to serve in this world. Volunteerism is at an all-time low. Clubs, associations all across our world can't get enough people helping and serving. And churches are the same. And so the temptation is to want to jump in and to plug a gap rather than to look where I've been gifted and to then be doing something that is going to be energising. And so it's become the the sieve. So when the church um, asked me to take on the role of community outreach pastor with a brief of looking at ways of creatively linking this church, um, a little small church, to the greater community with a, a blue sky around what that would look like, I thought, man, this is an opportunity, an entrepreneurial opportunity to look at ways of taking the gospel into a community that desperately needs it. Yeah, I can do that. And when I was on a committee with some sitting in this room planning to build this sports centre way back in 1992, they said, well, Brian, 
why don't you do it? Why don't you take on the role as, as centre manager for the first, first years? And I said, there's no way I sold my accounting practice to move a kilometre down the road to run a church sports centre. Absolutely no way. But I said the typical spiritual thing like, oh, well, I'll pray about it and I'll think about it. And as I did that and I looked at that, that mission statement through entrepreneurial adventures to initiate and to build ministries that see people wonder Christ, I thought, this is a fit. This is a fit. I could go on with the way that that statement has guided my life and, and a contribution to, to care and concern ministries or Step Beyond Adventures or our involvement in the Solomon Islands or the Kimberleys and, and, the, and the Indigenous Mission. And I don't say that out of a, a sense of pride, far from it. I say that out of a sense of blessing, of knowing how I've been wired, of understanding the way God has shaped me and understanding the way that God wants to, wants to use me. And I thank people who have been on that journey to help me understand that. Because the blessings that have followed through finding that little niche has been um, so profound and so wonderful. And the importance of that filter has also allowed me to say no to areas that were not my fit. But the biggest blessing that finding my shape has done is to be, is to be energising and to be liberating and to have me operating out of something that I feel yeah, totally energised about rather than simply plugging a hole. And it all started with meeting with friends, finding out what my shape was and launching out and trying things in different ways. Over these past five weeks, that's what we're wanting to do with SHAPE. And obviously, we've got a SHAPE course coming up, which has been well advertised. Some have said, I've already done my SHAPE questionnaire. Does that mean the course is irrelevant? Uh, no, it doesn't. We're going to build on that. We're going to build on what your SHAPE is and to start to see where God might want to use you. Now, I have a special message for the skeptics and for those of suspicious mind. This is not a trap. This is not a trap. When your gifts are discovered, you're not going to be chained to a chair and held hostage until you sign a two-year contract to be engaged in using them in the life of the church, right? This is not a trap. Far from it. We want to take the words of Jesus and we want to see those applied to your life and to mine. Come to me. All who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As a church leadership, we know that many in our church are very tired. Um, statistics tell us that that's what COVID has done for the society generally, for our population generally. And probably more so for those that have had COVID and are dealing, still dealing with some of the effects of that. The last thing that we're wanting to do is to add to your tiredness or to lay guilt on people to serve. The purpose really is to have people find their gifts and to be liberated and energised to serve where they are. And that might mean that some areas of service 
uh, need to be let go. They're areas that you find burdensome and tiresome and it's really not what you're called to be. I'm not here talking about a mission statement that's just lived out in the life of the church. My mission statement, for example, was developed before I became a pastor of our church here. And that mission statement for me will continue even after the day I cease to be a pastor in this church. This mission statement can be lived out by you in your workplaces for those that are involved in areas of justice. And I'm looking around here now and seeing people involved in our church. It's God's call on your life where you can grab hold of the way he has gifted you to use not just in the church, but in your workplace and in the wider community. God wants to use you. So be encouraged today. And you might want to be uh, having someone pray for you. You might be feeling, look, I'm feeling like you were saying before, I'm feeling a little bit bored about church life. I don't really know where my fit is. I want to understand more about that. I want to understand where God wants to use me. Please um, come down the back um, after and we can pray around that situation. Other prayer needs, we can do that as well. Oh, and that uh, girl of 12 who asked the question, well, she came to live with us in Sydney for a period of time and she had plenty of time there and we had plenty of opportunity to share with her um, the plan the plan that God might have for her life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. She's now a mother of three kids. Uh, three years ago when we were up in the Kimberleys, we had the opportunity to go around. We were invited to go to one of her children's uh, birthday parties and to see that, but she hasn't had an easy life. So continue to pray for her on her journey. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, it's an amazing thing to think that in the same way that you shaped the Apostle Paul, someone who had such a profound, huge impact on your church, in the same way that you shaped the Apostle Paul to serve, you have shaped each of us individually. And so, Father, even as we uh, meditate on that, we discuss uh, with friends. We engage ourselves in, in the shape course. Father, we ask that you would open up our understanding of more of who you've created us to be. For those who have already plugged in and, and know their shape and, and using that and have their own mission that's, uh, that's working out in their workplaces, in our church and in the wider world, Father, we just rejoice in that. In all these things, we simply want to say thank you, Lord, that you do have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.